Holy sh**. Are the Jaguars showing some early signs of incompetence? You draft Travis Etienne in the first round because you missed on drafting Kadarius Toney. Oof. What the f*** is going on? And it's got to be scary for Jaguars fans. Not only are the Jags showing early signs of incompetence, but they don't even know that they're incompetent. Publicly admitting that their draft board was Tony and Etienne. You only publicly admit that if you don't know. Draft Etienne in the first round and say he's a third down back. Compound, compound that with, oh, we're, we're going to play him at wide receiver during rookie minicamp. I'm not even sure why you would be interested in Kadarius Tony anyway when LaVisca Chenault has a redundant skill set, allegedly. That's what I've been sold anyway. Of course, you follow up the NFL draft by entertaining the signing of Tim Tebow to a position that he's trying for the first time at age 33. I'm all for Tim Tebow as a locker room guy and establishing a new culture. But, I mean, make him the team chaplain. You don't sign him to the active roster. What is happening? It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for these new head coaches to bring in players that they're familiar with to their new teams. We saw it a couple of times unsuccessfully with the Detroit Lions. Most recently, Matt Patricia. He brings in LeGarrette Blunt, Matt Castle, Trey Flowers, Danny Amendola, Justin Coleman, Jamie Collins. It's always these uninspiring acquisitions from the bottom of the roster with the former team. You see Urban Meyer following the same pattern, bringing in Tim Tebow, of all people, and, and Carlos Hyde. Speaking of Detroit, the Jaguars bring in Daryl Bevel as offensive coordinator. About as milk toast an offensive coordinator signing as you could have. Since 2016, his teams has finished 20th, 20th, 15th, and 12th in yards per game. In 14 years as an offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel's teams have on average finished 17th, bottom half of the league in yards per game. And that's with some of the most prolific offensive players that we've seen in the last decade. Adrian Peterson, Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, Matthew Stafford, 17th, actually 17.14, bottom half of the league, but Urban Meyer and the Jaguars brass are going to hand the Trevor Lawrence keys over to Daryl Bevel with Tim Tebow lined up at tight end and Travis Etienne lined up at wide receiver. Wash, rinse, and recycle these dudes. We talk about players being Jags. Well, coaches can be Jags too. And Daryl Bevel is a Jag. He's a Jag who's a Jag. He's a Jag who's a Jag. That's unfortunate. Sorry, Jacksonville Jaguars fans. You had a chance to do something inspiring, something groundbreaking, taking that team down to the studs. Like like what Carolina did last year. Carolina brings in Matt Rule and Joe Brady. Bold. Brave. Daring uh, new coach hires. Nope, Jacksonville. They bring in Urban Meyer and Daryl Jag Bevel. Exhibit A for the replacement level offensive coordinator. The best outcome that you can hope for is that Trevor Lawrence is good enough to 
offset the incompetence of the franchise. But even even then, he's going to be swimming upstream. Or, I mean, that's what it looks like. Andrew Luck with the Colts, Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, Matthew Stafford with the Lions, and now Trevor Lawrence with the Jaguars. So we saw the Jaguars take the bait and draft a running back in the first round. They weren't alone. They weren't alone. Pittsburgh at 24 takes Najee Harris. And what you have is two teams in Jacksonville and Pittsburgh who fell victim to the pressure of economics. Lack of supply. Lack of supply at the running back position leads to inflation. And Pittsburgh and Jacksonville acquired players whose value was artificially inflated by the lack of depth in the class. The running back class was top-heavy, and we knew that going in. The Steelers needed to improve their offensive line to protect Ben Roethlisberger, but they make an uncharacteristic mistake for that franchise by taking an ancillary piece, an ancillary piece in Najee Harris. The Jaguars, building from the ground up. They had James Robinson already in-house, and they take their wide receiver, Travis Etienne, in the first round. When you are building a team, the focus should be on quarterback, should be on the interior, offensive line, defensive line. A first-round running back is not going to change the fortunes of your franchise, specifically when you don't have other cornerstones in, in place. I mean, and given the shelf life of running back, it's just it's not smart to start there as a cornerstone piece, but congrats to Harris, congrats to ETN. Both of those guys could have come out in 2020, but they waited. Wait for the weaker running back class, enter in 2021, and they made themselves multimillionaires by waiting, by being patient, because, shoot, Harris and ETN would have been what, third round picks last year? Look at Antonio Gibson, four-year deal, just under $5 million. Making 1.25 a year before taxes, probably bringing home what six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year after after taxes. And the tw- the twenty fourth and twenty fifth picks, where Harris and ETN, where they were taken, projected to be worth three point thirteen point one and twelve point nine million. Great cash, it's smart. It's smart. That's just a, that's just an aside, though. That's just an aside. That's not the point. So we saw. Teams falling victim to the pressure of economics at the running back position and and at the wide receiver position. Where we saw three receivers taken in the top 10. Teams rushing to select the players at the top of these shallow classes. One receiver didn't even play last year. You had another one who fractured his ankle in the middle of the season. You had a third who weighed in at less than 170 pounds and never tested. And never tested. All taken in the top 10. I don't think that anyone would disagree that the 2020 class was objectively, objectively better at both the wide receiver and running back positions. Yet we saw the value of those two position groups artificially inflated in 2021 as a result of the lack of the depth in in those groups. The lack of quality depth. We saw this during the pandemic with toilet paper, with bleach, water, value of those items artificially inflated and not just your Charmin high quality, fancy toilet paper. At one point during the pandemic, the grocery store could put 
the cheapest two-ply available out on the shelves, gone in an hour. A Bankstown mother and daughter have been charged after a fight over toilet paper in Woolworths. The vision of the shoppers arguing with another woman went viral as supermarkets impose new purchase limits to curb coronavirus hysteria. The fight over toilet paper that went viral around the world. I just want one pack. No, not one pack. Here in my hometown, Kroger started putting generic dollar store quality bleach on the shelves. Gone. Lack of supply, coupled with high demand, equals settling for less. Now, that lesson is important to understand, specifically with what happened in the 2021 draft and looking at what happened in the 2020 draft as we project to 2022. I'm looking at the 2020, the 2020 running back class. Just one running back taken in the first round. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's amongst DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, with a weird A.J. Dillon thrown in there, and Antonio Gibson. No sense of urgency to draft these players in the first round because there was depth. There was enough depth. You could wait. Look at the 2020 wide receiver class. Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, all taken after pick 14. Those wide receivers didn't see that artificial bump that the top of the 2021 class did. And it's such an interesting situation because we are likely facing a similar situation in 2022 where there is a deficiency of talent at every single relevant Debbie skill position. Every position. Quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end. This is going to be a very shallow class. I'm looking at my rankings at campus2camp.com. At quarterback, you have Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, Carson Strong, JT Daniels, Jaden Daniels, Grayson McCall, Keaton Slovis. Just two of these guys are probably first-round picks in any class, Rattler and Howe, all things being being even. They've got the recruiting pedigree. they got the talent, productive early on, especially for Howe. Less so for Rattler, but he's coming from the Lincoln-Riley quarterback factory. I think those two are going in the top 10 in the NFL draft, but I don't feel strongly about the rest of these guys being franchise quarterbacks, at least not yet. I think Carson Strong has a chance, but he could go back. I need to see more from JT Daniels. So what does that mean? Does that mean that Hal and Rattler are going to be the only quarterbacks taken in the first round next year? Mm-mm. Nope. Absolutely not. The same way Najee Harris and Travis Etienne capitalized on their value in 2021, we're going to see the same thing at the quarterback position in 2022. These quarterback needy NFL teams aren't just going to pass on quarterback because of the lack of elite talent in the class. Some players are going to take advantage and declare for this class, declare early. They should. I've seen Emory Jones projected in the first round, a dual threat quarterback with 92 career attempts who couldn't beat out Kyle Trask or Felipe Franks. That's who PFF has going number six overall to the Eagles in their latest mock draft. I've seen Malik Willis, JT Daniels, 
all projected for the first round. There are going to be some quarterbacks from 2022 who would not be first round picks, but for the lack of available high end talent. That's that's my theory. It could be Matt Corral. It could be Malik Willis. It could be Carson Strong. I think that this could also have implications for the veteran quarterbacks in the NFL. If I'm in a super flex league, I would be stashing guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, Gardner Minshew, Drew Locke, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Marcus Mariota. We could see these kinds of players reemerge as starters in 2022 because some GM is going to look at the 2022 quarterback class and say, Mm-mm, nah, this, this ain't it. This ain't it. Mm-mm. Think about a team like Pittsburgh or the Washington football team or the Saints. I don't perceive any of these teams as having top five selections in 2022. And quarterback is going to be a pressing need for all of those teams. In Pittsburgh, you have the remnants of Ben Roethlisberger with young skill position players. Just drafted Najee Harris, and you have no solid succession plan in place. Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins. So what is Pittsburgh going to do now? They're not a candidate for Howell. They're not a candidate for Rattler. It's going to be one of these other guys. Look at the running back class. Might be worse than the quarterback class. Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall. That's a clear top tier. Then the other names, Kyron Williams, Amir White, Noah Kane, Eric Gray, Sincere McCormick. I think you should throw Rashad White in there out of Arizona State. Austin Jones out of Stanford, Tyler Algier, BYU, Ramon Davis, Kevin Harris. That's not particularly inspiring. If I'm wrong, then check me. If you think Ramon Davis is an RB1 or RB2 in fantasy in the next three years, then you tell me I'm wrong. This is this class is not inspiring. And I like Kyron Williams. I did, I really tough player, receiver chops, will stymie a blitz in pass protection, but he's sub 200 pounds. He's sub 200 pounds and he could go he could go back to Notre Dame. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he declares. I like Zamir Zamir White too. And it's Cool to dunk on Zamir White right now as a player, but I like how versatile he is as a rusher. He's probably a two-down player, but I mean he can make defenders miss and bounce off of them in a number of different ways. So, plus, plus, this is what this class has to offer. He's not competing with anybody. So one of these guys are are going to be taken with day two draft capital, locked in with opportunity. If I could look into a crystal ball, I think we could see teams take a shot in 2022 with some of these older running backs, these veterans, signing them to second, third, whatever contracts, because there is there was a lack of quality depth in the 2021 class. There was a lack of quality quality depth. There's going to be a lack of quality depth in the 2022 running back class, and that's going to have a ripple effect. On both the draft and that aging veteran running back market. Chase Edmonds, Naeem Hines, Ronald Jones, Marlon Mack, Mark Ingram, Raheem Moster, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon. All of those guys are scheduled to be 
unrestricted free agents in 2022. And I think GMs are going to look around and see the cupboard is bare at the running back position. So I could see those guys getting contracts with teams. Look at a team like Tampa Bay with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, and we saw them sign Giovanni Bernard. Well, it ain't a whole lot of reinforcements coming in the 2022 NFL draft if you don't get one of these top guys. So they're going to have to find value elsewhere. Let's see. At wide receiver in 2022, Traylon Burks, George Pickens, Garrett Wilson, David Bell, Chris Olave, Drake London, Justin Ross, John Mechie. I like Donovan Green. I like Dante Wright out of Colorado State. C.J. Johnson from ECU. Zay Flowers is a hot name. I love some Zay Flowers, too. Jadon Hazelwood out of Oklahoma. Still, not particularly inspiring. I don't think that there's a Jamar Chase in this class. I don't think that there's a C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy in this class. Traylon Burks might have the highest ceiling given his size-speed combination. But still, the class overall, not particularly inspiring. I think I could... I, I, I... I think the 2022 tight end class is fine, but I'm not about to spend some time talking about it right here. If the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, as well run as that organization has been, if they if they could feel the pressure to take a running back in the first round, then I mean, any team can be subject to that pressure. Any team can be subject to that pressure. And it's going to be there for teams in 2022 when they look around after the top five picks and there isn't a quarterback who commands first round draft capital, but, but the quarterbacks are going to get it anyway. Teams are going to be looking around for running backs in the second round in the third round. And they're going to have to reach. There's no Jonathan Taylor. There's no JK Dobbins, no Najee Harris, no, no, Antonio Gibson, no DeAndre Swift. These teams are going to be reaching. No, no, I need to know everything. Who in the what in the where I need. I apologize to Matt Kelly. I ran out of time. I'll get him rescheduled soon. And that is the sharp review for this the 10,742nd day since the Detroit Lions last won a playoff game in Los Angeles. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night. And good luck. Be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in science, then let them in talk up their body, another one body that's Shad Khan owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know how he made his billions? Bumpers. Flexing gate. I double up again, none of the nose. Selling to the big three right here, well, back in my home state in Michigan. Bumpers. Now he has houseboats. Plural. <laughs> make something good, make something simple, and sell it. And you could find yourself uh, with a pretty penny. Maybe it's a lesson for us at campuscan.com. Make something, make something simple and easy. Stick to your niche. Bumpers. Bumpers from from selling bumpers to owning the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
maybe one day the London Jaguars. And I would absolutely be trying to get my team from Jacksonville to London. See that spike in value. Chad Khan isn't dumb. There's a reason why he's been flirting with with London. You don't go from from bumpers to houseboats. But I like it's new what you're telling me. Being a a dumb guy. No, no, horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. I need to know. I know it's been a long time since I've been on this microphone for for this show. It's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to speak. I'm in a room by myself right now. Created. <laughs> Talking to myself in a microphone. It takes a special, special kind of narcissist to talk to yourself in a room alone. But somebody's got to do it. Turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk. So I'm letting them talk. I uh, I took two weeks off from the Debbie debate, and I had so much energy when I came back. So much energy. Stay on the go. I can texting Austin and Matt all these ideas that I had. If you are a content creator or a creator of any kind, I mean, you need that rest. We had been going every week since November first. I had them beat before we ever spoke. Had to take some time off, and it was worth it. Think who in the what in the where? I need everything. Trust creative rest. You got to do it. You got to do it. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse. I'm ready. No, no, what that.